my old nemesis, the microphone. Thank you, Millard. When we got to see the uh, know you, get to know your TCO for a moment, uh, I think Millard should bring back some of the outfits he was wearing in those <laughs> those pictures. There was a white one I, I seem to recall that was particularly amazing. Um, good morning. So this morning, uh, I'm pleased to have my uh, parents in the house. And uh, of course, whenever you have to do something like this, it's always really nice to have your mom in the audience, right? Mom's a great encourager. You know, if you really mess up, it's still okay. Except if you're a, a homeschooler, mom is also your teacher. So uh, this is for a grade. So, <laughs> But it gets worse because my dad is in the audience as well. He's an educator. My wife is an educator. Both my sisters are educators. So I could actually fill out an entire report card this morning. Um, so if you would, help me out with audience participation. You know. so, uh, this morning I, I picked a, a new topic. I won't do this the whole time. You're like, well, there goes your audience participation. <laughs> Don't insult your audience. Um, shame on you. Contrasting condemnation and conviction. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> so this morning, I want to look at contrasting these two ideas of condemnation and conviction. What's right, what's wrong? And how do they work in our lives? So last time I spoke about sanctification and how that's the process in which we grow towards God and grow in righteousness. And uh, conviction is a part of this process. It's the way that God gently brings us about to repentance of things that we know are sinful, things that are um, obviously against his word, and slowly refines us into where he wants us in relationship with him. So it starts out pretty crudely. You know, we get convicted of sin. We get convicted of uh, wrong attitudes, wrong thought patterns, things that are drastically uh, against his will, against um, who he is. And then he slowly brings about this change in us to make us into the image of his son. So eventually it gets very minute details, but very important, very important to him. So conviction is supposed to lead us to repentance for our disobedience and sin, but it can also lead us into doing the right things. So as we see today, we're sending out uh, Nathan and Taylor, and that's because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's a calling. It brings us into his will. So it's a little more than just a constant rain on your parade. So to contrast conviction, there's condemnation. And I think we've all felt this before. And certainly if you're a Christian, you've, you've realized condemnation, what you deserve is what you're going to get. And that's why we need grace. So we've all felt this before, and we probably all have these moments that hang heavy in our minds and our lives that we kind of look back and we, we feel a sense of shame of, I can't believe I, that's who I really am. We have this realization of, that's, that's not going to cut it. 
You know, I've done some really bad things, and I deserve to be punished for them. One thing is clear in Scripture that is not a part of the process of sanctification. In Romans 8.1, There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The shame that comes with condemnation is destructive. It tears down our spiritual confidence and erodes our relationship with God. If we live in condemnation, we are still living by the law and therefore still subject to it. If we constantly let our accuser, the devil, undermine the victory that Christ won, we will be ruled by this shame. Our insecurities are magnified through the lens of shame. I think that's that's something that's true in, in all of our lives. We may think that everyone can see through us, and perhaps they see the phonies that we really are. You know, if you really got to know me and saw me in my weakest moments, you'd really change your opinion of me, right? I think we can all have that mirror in ourselves. Um, so sometimes it may, we may feel the need to overcompensate. Think of Adam and Eve. They clothed themselves in the garden as if their new duds did not just bring more attention to what they had just done. You know, really, that's, that's the best you got? And you're covering with a couple of fig leaves? Uh, no, really, what's going on here? Um, or King Saul, his over-exuberance to start the sacrifices to, uh, to hide the fact that he did not obey God. So there might be these times that we feel this overwhelming shame of what we've done in one way, so we try to either hide it or overcompensate in another. But that's not part of the relationship. That doesn't work. It doesn't cover sin. It doesn't really grow us closer to God at all. So we saw in, uh, in Samuel's response to Saul. The real problem is that shame is that a real relationship with a loving God who we are striving to be like is impossible with this shame. No healthy relationship forms or grows out of guilt. Our relationship is often often compared to that of a marriage, a marriage with one partner who is constantly in a state of shame, insecurity, or overcompensating would not be fulfilling and would probably not last. I don't I don't think that would go very far if you constantly had to try to impress your your significant other but you constantly felt an insecurity and a, an estrangement that if they knew you truly then that would be the end of it so you have this constant hiding on the other hand the conviction we experience as christians drives us closer to god instead of feeling this shame god Conviction leads us to repentance and helps us align closer to his character. So as we desire to grow closer to him, we see this repentance and conviction aspect as a refining of our personalities. We see his ways as being higher. We have this understanding and this insight on who he is, and it spurs growth in us. Have you ever been around someone that you're like, that person's got it together? And you feel like, maybe I need to follow that example. Christ is our example, and we must, be, we must have that insight. That's who I'm supposed to be like. I'm not there. God, this is where I repent. 
and truly change to be that way. Our relationship with God becomes more fulfilling as we grow closer to him. If we press in and understand, then we appreciate his holiness. We also better understand just how great a grace we have been given. And when I got saved, I felt a tremendous burden lift. But I know more about what was done for me now than I did then. So as I grow in God, as I grow, I understand this grace greater. And it's much, much better than I ever thought. So as we have this conviction, this repentance, and this relationship growing, we get to know him better and know exactly what's been done for us. Conviction is a tool the Holy Spirit uses to grow us. The song this morning, Into Marvelous Light I'm Running, Out of Darkness, Out of Shame, that's an excellent, excellent thought. So what of a person that's stuck in shame and in condemnation? So even as Christians, we might still feel that, that sense of, I keep screwing up, I keep messing things up, I, keep, I can't seem to get over something, I have a, a thought pattern, we all have personalities. Um, it, can, it can trip us up, that's a lot of laughter coming from over there. Um, so we may feel this from time to time, we may feel this shame, we may feel this condemnation, and even if you like the idea of freedom from shame, you may just feel like your shortcomings are just an anchor around your neck you can't get away from. Well, in John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we know that God sent Jesus to die for our sins. So you don't own them anymore. You can't steal them back. They're not yours. Death does not own you anymore. Is that, that, that might not completely satisfy you. Think about this, though. The memories and the other earthly repercussions, they don't go away. So maybe we're still feeling those things. So even though the sins and everything else has been forgiven, perhaps those hurtful memories or the embarrassing memories that you have of who you used to be, Perhaps they're still around and they haunt you. But think of this. If we claim that Jesus Christ died for our sins, they're no longer ours. We can and should feel sorrow for things in our past, and it's useful to learn from our mistakes and repent when the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about sins and shortcomings. So here's the good news. So what happens to a person who has no more shame? or should I say, lives by conviction and not condemnation. Okay, there's a little Latin in there. If you Google Peter and Paul, Mary always comes up. Paul tells us that he was the chief of sinners. The disciples ran from Christ. Peter denied Christ. If they had been ruled by shame, we would not hear any more about them other than their, their faults and their shortcomings. But we know that's not the case. We know that there was redemption for them, and they did amazing things, and there's also redemption for us. There is power in our relationship with God to overcome not only the condemnation, but also the shame.
So if that sounds good, if, if living without shame sounds good, and it gives you the power to overcome your fears of what you've done in your past, then let uh, living without conviction be a strong warning. We can definitely live without shame, but you cannot live without conviction. We must not take advantage of the grace of God. Our relationship with God is powerful as we strive for closeness, but we're powerless against ourselves and against the enemy if we reject conviction of the Holy Spirit. By choosing to live without conviction, we reject a relationship with God. Can you be married and not committed? Not if you truly desire a good marriage. If we treat our faith as one and done fire escape, then we just don't get it. Now we can see around us today when we read scriptures of people who momentarily accept salvation, but they neither they either choose themselves to save, it's just a, you know, I need to get out of hell card. Or they may truly turn to God but then neglect the, the relationship that grows them closer to God and fall away. We can see this happen, of course, in the churches in Revelation. Each one had a shortcoming that, had, that needed to be dealt with. It took much stronger than just simple conviction. It took a warning from an apostle. They neglected this, these small convictions of the Holy Spirit and started to grow away. And it took a letter from an apostle, wake up, return. If we neglect actions on conviction, our relationship can grow cold. But there are remedies for this callousness in scripture. In those churches, statements like, return to your first love, strengthen what remains, be zealous and repent. These call to us, that we can and need to pay attention to our relationship with God. In conclusion, this morning we find grace in Christ for our sin and escape condemnation and, and shame. Conviction in our spirit, along with the word and prayer, are our tools and methods in our relationship with God. If we find ourselves in a murky place between conviction and condemnation, we should press in and seek him. If we know that repentance is necessary and work through this process, we know that what we feel is from him. We can know that that's conviction, that's from God, that's where we need to refine something in our personality. But if we find ourselves torn down, isolated, we feel the need to hide or disguise what's going on inside of us, we should recognize this is not from God. We should recognize that it's destructive and we need to go to God with it. We must let the grace of God do its work in our lives so that as we are flawed compared to his holiness, his grace abounds to us. So this morning, let's let conviction drive us to him and let his grace cover us as we seek righteousness in our relationship with him. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your conviction. We thank you that you desire such a strong relationship to us. God, that you carry us through a process that we don't have to live in condemnation and shame. We are not slaves that are beaten down underneath 
a tyrannical God, but Lord, we are your servants because you love us. You bring us along in this unique way. God, you shape us and help us to align with your character. And God, we don't have to face death and separation from you. So God, if people are here this morning and they feel this condemnation, this shame, the sense of I don't belong in God's presence, Lord, just pray that your grace would abound to them, that they would feel your spirit calling to them. Lord, that there would be repentance of anything that is self-centered or sinful. God, that your grace would come to them and let them know that you truly desire that relationship and that your conviction is for their good. We thank you in Jesus' name.